you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast. At Mastermind Parenting, we're on a mission to support strong-willed kids and the families that love them. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the show. So welcome to the show, guys. I hope you've been enjoying the nice framework series that we've been doing for the last several weeks. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, make sure before you listen to this episode to go back and listen. Now we're on the third, it's the third episode in the series. So the NICE framework, today we're going to dig into the I, the I wing of the NICE framework. I say wing because the graphic where we, in our programs, where we show um, this framework, N-I-C-N-E, to help transform strong-willed kids. Really, this is the solution to help them start to live back in the land of regulation where their nervous systems don't feel constantly blown. And it's a butterfly graphic because butterflies stand for transformation. I know I'm kind of hokey and corny like that. I love butterflies. And so the eye wing of the NICE framework to start to turn difficult behaviors around is all about investigation, okay? Because guess what? All behavior, strong-willed behavior, but all behavior. So all, air quotes, strong-willed behavior is communication. Humans act out when they're seeking a solution to an internal problem. There's always a reason underneath your child's problematic behavior, always. So you have to become a detective, right? You have to really investigate to discover the, we want to get underneath the behavior. Most, most, I think, parents, when they're trying to learn just the right tool or just the right thing or what consequence should be appropriate for this, that's slapping a Band-Aid on a gaping wound, basically. We have to get underneath the behavior to the root right? And, 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 and doing so, I mean, there's a lot involved in really getting to the root of the behavior, but you have to, I mean, just start with this mindset shift, which is all behavior is communication. All behavior is communication. So start with this mindset shift. All behavior is communication right? Kids do well if they can, as Dr. Ross Green says. I love that quote. It it just says it all. So it's never about you. Anytime we're trying, we're making it mean something about us. My kid's so disrespectful. My kid's 
It's not. Well, I, I've been told by, I mean, I would say the th- when parents give me feedback about learning this framework, they quite often say the biggest game changer for them was in the eye wing and realizing that it's never about them. And I teach a tool called the Q-tip, quit taking it personally. And they would say in their mind when their kid was acting out in all these less than awesome ways, which, you know, when the kid's like smacking you or telling you they hate you or you're the worst mom ever, or I hate this family or being mean to one of their siblings, it's real hard to be like, quit taking it personally, quit taking it personally, quit ta- all behaviors, communication, all behaviors, communication. So like, like you got to prepare. It's like you're, you know, you're, you're mentally preparing for those less than awesome moments. And so I've had so many parents say just like the acronym of Q-tip, 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 or imagining an actual Q-tip in my brain. Anytime I was in those moments, it helped me so much to not accidentally, you know, make the situation worse by then fighting back with my kid, power struggling with them, shaming them, screaming at them, whatever. Like I was able to do the right thing and allow my child to sort of calm down in their body. And then we discussed it, you know, so this investigate part is part is really, really difficult and important. Okay. So we want to get to the root of the behavior. That's what we want to retrain our brain with. In this framework, we're going to stop trying to just slap the band-aids on the situation. You know, it's like the mom I spoke about in the last episode when she was like, my kid's constantly using the I'm scared excuse. And she wanted, she really wanted to know, like, how do I establish the boundary? How do I tell, how do I get this behavior to stop? And we had to do some investigating, right? Like we want to, I said, we're going to assess basic needs first. And, um, and look, if, if, if it hadn't been a connection issue, if it hadn't been a basic needs issue, then we would have dug in, played detective, figured out maybe the kid had really had, you know, seen something inappropriate on a screen and it really was haunting them. And so a child that, you know, when you find, I mean, I remember I've heard some terrible stories that like terrible stories. I remember a family who found they like had a tell, they just like didn't even think about it. They didn't realize it it's kind of a bad idea to have screens. Kids give little kids access to screens in their room behind closed doors. And they found out their six-year-old, he had a TV in his room. They didn't find out he had a TV in his room. They put a TV in his room. And um, they found out he was like staying up a lot of nights and he had access to porn. I guess the parents had, you know, porn on, I don't know, whatever. Um, he had access to porn and maybe, yeah, he had access to porn and at six years old, it had been like six months and he was addicted to porn. Like it changed his brain chemistry. And now, you know, this tiny little six-year-old can't stop thinking about all these images that made him feel a certain way in his body, but it's all very confusing. But now his brain, like, 
I'm sorry, like you may find out that your child has seen something scary on a screen or even watched a movie that doesn't seem like it's scary. You know, maybe they watched Harry Potter and it was just like too much for them. And now they're having nightmares or maybe they played some game with exploding bunnies and it was just too much for them. And now it's a child that really is scared and is, is, is starting to ruminate. You know, that might be a child that would benefit from seeing a play therapist, right? Or you might, you might need to go and get some guidance on how to talk to your child about their fears and how to help them and, and so, so if we investigate, if it wasn't a basic need issue, we might get into the investigation and find out that it was something deeper, right? So this investigate wing is really important. And I think a lot of times people miss things because they don't take the time to play detective and investigate. So I want to tell you about a mom who had a seven-year-old, okay? And I think it was about seven. It was her, he was her middle child and we'll call him Tyler. Okay. He was in first grade, I believe when this issue started. So he was her middle child. He had an older brother and a younger sister and he was getting in a lot of trouble at school. And the trouble he's getting into is really just because he was busy. You know, he couldn't keep his hands to himself. He was just kind of a, you know, a thin, wispy, wiry little boy. He wanted to run. He wanted to play. He couldn't keep his hands to himself. He had ants in his pants. He was in and up, up and down, out of his seat and yada, yada, yada. And he was messy. Like, like mom knew he was messy. He was like pig pen messy. So she was like to get him out of the car after school. Like I let them have a snack and these are snack wrappers and he can't grab his snack wrappers and to get his backpack and then to go in and to unpack his backpack and then to take out his folder and to, you know, give me things that need to be signed and then to do his one worksheet of homework and, um, and to unpack his lunch kit. Like he cannot do any of those things, right? It's like a, a daily stressor it's so annoying, but he's just like, you know, he's just pig pen and um, he's just a complete mess. And, and then you're like getting that, you know, he would get that one sheet of homework, like to get him to do that one worksheet took like an hour and a half. It was just a battle every single day. She was like, it's just a total shit show. And he just wanted to go outside. They lived like kind of in a rural area. So they, they had like, you know, a bunch of property and I think they had like some chickens and it was just, you know, kind of, and he was an outdoorsy boy. She's like, oh, if I just let him come home and just go straight outside to play, like I wouldn't see him till dinner time. He's that kid. He's creating, he's building things, he's playing, he's, and I was like, well, that's amazing. She's like, yeah, but he needs to be able to be responsible and to not operate. And I'm getting all these calls from school. Okay. So when I have mom assess the basic needs, right? So here's the framework to help this child because every day there was a lot of strong will behaviors because he just wanted to get outside to play. So pig pen, it was just like a battle to get him to do any of the things. It became clear first and foremost, that there was a sleep situation and there was an overtaking situation that he was pretty addicted to on the weekends and in the evening. 
And so, you know, it, the siblings, even though they lived in a four ba- bedroom house, the family lived in a four bedroom house, the siblings did a sibling sleepover room. So every night the three siblings slept, which sounds so cute. And the mom was like, oh my gosh, they love their siblings sleeping, their siblings sleepover room. I was like, yeah, sounds cute. They're not getting enough sleep. And especially this little guy, this little highly sensitive guy, he's not getting enough sleep. And so he can't control his body at school. He's missing out on some, on learning those executive functioning skills, those organizational habits. That's why he's such a pig pen. That's why he can't settle down and just quickly knock out that one worksheet of homework. So we got to, before we do anything else, we got to, we got to get him the sleep that he needs. So we started with that. Okay. And once he was consistently getting the sleep he needed, there was still some behaviors. There was still like he wasn't quite as messy and he started getting it together after school and doing gr- really well at home, like getting his stuff unpacked and 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 really with mom kind of available and holding his hand, he could get the worksheet done much more quickly. But at school, she was still getting daily either phone calls or correspondence from school that he was having a hard time managing his behavior in the classroom. So once we began investigating, we realized that Tyler needed to go through an evaluation. So we had a so mom had him evaluated and it turned out that he was diagnosed with dyslexia. Okay? So the investigating piece of helping a strong-willed kid transform their behavior, the investigating piece of the framework left mom with the critical info And we got to work to set Tyler up with better, clearer structure and systems to help him really totally undo his pig pen pattern after school. Like, you know, he had gotten a lot better, but he was still messy. He was still a little pig penny. And once he started getting the support he needed, well, he started to do better at school, obviously, because he didn't have to live with so much frustration. And he was also able to stop feeling so bad about himself. Like he started to understand, like now mom could start having the right conversation with him and with the teachers. Your brain learns in a different way. No wonder, no wonder you were so frustrated, right? So once, so once you, like this mom, once you cover the basic needs and there's still problematic behaviors, like things have improved, but there's still, you know, it's not, the situation isn't totally turned around. It's time to play detective. And I want you to ask yourself some questions. So notice how is my child wired, right? Like, does it seem like my kid could be a highly sensitive person, a person with a highly sensitive nervous system? And if you don't know what that means, please Google it and start arming yourself with that knowledge. Quite often, strong-willed kids have highly sensitive nervous systems. Is my child often anxious or overstimulated more than it seems like other kids their age? Are there certain times of the day that meltdowns happen more frequently, right? 
does it seem like my kid is trying to seek attention by picking on a sibling? Okay. So, so like Tyler's mom, I want you to be able to help your kid either get to the right resources, right? Like the dyslexia resources, or you start to tighten up the structure and the systems so that they have more certainty in their life. Because guess what certainty does? Like when a kid knows this is bedtime, this is where I sleep. There's no one more glass of water or one more this or one more that. Like it's the same schedule every single day. And if I try to, if I try to pull some shenanigans, this is what mom and dad say every single day. So I'm going to stop testing all those boundaries and I'm going to start getting the rest that I need. So yes, you know, that, that is a part of it, but I want you to really start investigating so you can figure out what is it that my kid needs to help them turn this situation around, right? I mean, Tyler's mom, she got they got a diagnosis in first grade with dyslexia. Like many kids are not so lucky and they go through years and years and years of frustration and exhaustion and feeling unsupported. And they have no way of telling the adults that are taking care of them, their teachers, their parents, how to help them. They don't know, right? They act on the outside. They act their frustration out on the outside, but it's really just what's going on on the inside. If they knew how to tell us what's going on, they would, but they don't. So they use all these all these difficult behaviors to sort of, you know, shake us to say like, figure this out, please investigate why I'm so frustrated in my body. I'm just a little kid. I don't know how to express this in language. So I'm just going to act on the outside the way I feel on the inside. So it really does take a grounded grown-up who is Q-tipping, quit taking it personally, and remembering all behaviors communication and First, assessing all those basic needs. And if the problem's not solved, if the behavior's not turned around, then they start to investigate and go deeper, figure out if there's maybe a medical. Quite often, there's, I mean, I can't tell you how many times when we go and we assess basic needs and the sleep thing, and then we get a sleep study, and then it turns out it's an ENT issue or like I can't tell you how often there is actually something medical going on and it's not, it, it, it takes some investigation and some detective work. I mean, the pediatricians are not finding this stuff. It, it, you have to be a fierce mama bear advocate. I mean, the pediatricians are, they want to, they care about kids. They just don't have time. I mean, the way our medical system is set up, it's, it, it's really, you know, it's 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 not helping most kids get to the right solution. And pediatricians are also not trained in behavior methods. Like if you have a pediatrician that weighs in on, you know, what they think's going on for the behavior, that's just them speaking from their personal viewpoint, not from their professional viewpoint. Um, because because doctors are trained to diagnose illness. Behavior is 
not in the equation. And so um, that's not the case. I mean, a lot of times pediatricians do weigh in on behavior because they want to help people. Um, but don't expect your pediatrician to have all the answers at all. Like you're going to have to take the bull by the horns to figure out how to help your kid. And so this is my framework that I use that I've coached, you know, hundreds of parents over two decades. Um, this is how we truly get to the root of what's going on with our kids, why they're walking away and why they're walking around in such a state of stress and often overwhelm where their nervous system feels completely blown and then they act out because they want, you know, this is how we help them, right? Like you don't even, if you have a kid that just shows up with, with strong will behavior day in and day out, like you haven't even really gotten to know your kid because it's not until, I mean, think about yourself. Like when you're in like a super stressed out state and you meet a new person, do you feel like they like get to know the best part of you? Or the next time you see that person, are you like, oh my gosh, last time I saw you, I was so stressed. I feel, okay, let's just start over. Do you feel like you put your best foot forward and you're like, you were on brand that day? Like, no. So doing this, getting to the bottom of what's really at the root, investigating, getting to the root of the behavior is the way we ultimately get to know who our kid was meant to be, who they were born to be, and all of their beauty and awesomeness. So remember, go to my website, mastermindparenting.com. If you know, if you're like, yes, lady, you're speaking to me about how I want to learn this framework. I want to dig in deeper. I want you to hold my hand. There's two ways you can learn the NICE framework to go deeper on this. You can sign up for our mini masters self-paced and self-study program where you get access to all of the materials to learn the nice framework or you can do our basics boot camp our basics boot camp which is you digging in it's a hybrid of group and personalized coaching and I'll coach you and we'll study the nice wings together and apply it to your specific scenario and you'll have huge transformations in 12 weeks. So go to mastermindparenting.com to sign up and learn the framework that'll change your child's life. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for listening today, guys. I hope you picked up some tips, tools, maybe some baby steps for creating more balance and boundaries in your life. And I just wanted to let you know, if you want to continue moving the needle forward in creating this for yourself, having a happier household, I want you to go to my website and check out mastermindparenting.com. We have three beginning programs. And if you need some accountability and more support, then please look for the one that would be a good fit for you. Um, and as always, we're on all the social channels under Mastermind Parenting. On Instagram, it's mastermind underscore parenting. Um, and, you know, periodically I do pop up on different Instagram lives, Facebook lives, where I give you teaching and coaching. And I love engaging with you live to help you help your strong-willed kids so that they can feel better. Because when they feel better, they do better. And um, 
I love, love, love getting to know you guys. So thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Super, super appreciative.